Hello, everybody. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to mention our headline sponsor, Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, expelling vapors, sweat, etc. Um, routine is here to provide products that fit into your daily routine. And one of their uh, new and proprietary products is called Morning Routine. Morning Routine comes in single-serve packets. Uh, I legitimately have one of these every single morning, sometimes twice a day, depending on on how much I, I sweated in the morning and you know how dehydrated or hydrated I feel. Um, each of these packets contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. If any of you guys listening have ever given hydration products a try, I'm not going to name any of the other ones out there, but many of them uh, are loaded with sugar. And it's it's something that's not needed in these products. And Routine has found a way to make a hydration product with added benefits such as apple cider vinegar um, that helps kickstart your metabolism first thing in the morning. Without any sugar, it tastes amazing. Uh, I am truly addicted to them. So um, all you have to do, like I said, is tear one of the packets open, mix it in with water. I just shake it up and I'm good to go. Um, routine, trusted ingredients, made convenient. They also have a variety of other products, including green superfoods, vitamin D, uh, apple cider vinegar gummies, elderberry gummies, and much more. If you'd like to check out any of Routine's products, including Morning Routine, you can head to yourroutine.com and use code SHANEWHITE30 at checkout to receive 30% off your first order. So definitely check that out. The link will be in the show notes. All right, everybody. For today's episode, we have Kayla Castaneda of Agua Bonita on the podcast. Uh, these guys are are really, uh, the product is really unique. Uh, I, I've never been someone who knew much about uh, frescas or agua frescas. And uh, learned a lot on this podcast. Uh, Kayla and the team uh, just won an award from Expo West as a, as a rising star brand. So definitely a brand you want to keep your eyes on. I think they will be showing up in all sorts of locations here around the country um, before you know it. I think they will be a household name in the beverage category. Um, one thing too, uh, you know, this is time of COVID. We're all working from home still and, and probably will be for a long time seeing all the new news out there. Um, so there is some brief moments in this podcast. Uh, Kayla is working from home when we recorded this. And so her kids just decided to pop in and out a couple times. So apologies from both me and Kayla on that one, but it's a great episode. Hold on. We, uh, we try to edit some of it out. And uh, honestly, the whole point of this podcast is to be blunt and transparent and talk to you guys about things, you know, food, beverage, finance, all sorts of different topics um, without all the, the the fancy stuff in the middle. So it, it is what it is. So uh, anyway, without further ado, give it up for Kayla Castaneda. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I'm pumped today to have one of the founders of Agua Bonita, Kayla Castaneda, on the podcast. Kayla, welcome to the show. Hi, Shane. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to chat and uh, yeah, really excited to get into all things Agua Bonita. 
I'm very excited for this one. So I'm a, as you probably saw when I, we started, I, I drink LaCroix or like, what if this is like Kirkland's, whatever Costco's cheaper version, but um, big, big fan. When I started working at RX bar, I had never had um, a LaCroix before or any like sparkling water. And be, it was like in the fridge everywhere. So I became quickly addicted to sparkling water. But would you mind giving everyone a little bit of a background on what your product is? And I think, you know, as the sparkling water trend has taken off, I, I thought your guys' brand and the product was really unique. Yeah. So a couple of things that make Agua Bonita different from um, a lot of the sparkling waters out there is that we're not sparkling water. Right. Uh, we are non-carbonated um, aguas frescas. So aguas frescas are a traditional Mexican drink. Um, they're traditionally made with fresh fruit, non-sparkling water, and a ton of sugar. Uh, what's special about Agua Bonita is that we don't use any added sugar. So we really just rely on the fruit um, for the natural sweetness. And sometimes we use spices to get like those really culturally aligned flavors. So one of our SKUs is watermelon chile, which is like watermelon sprinkles with tahine. Um, and then another one on the other end of the spectrum is pineapple cucumber. So very light, refreshing, um, but more robust and more of a juice content than um, lots of like sparkling water drinkers um, are used to because yeah, we sit at about like minimum 20 to 30% juice content. Um, whereas like, you know, something like a spin drift is like three to 5%. Right. Um, so way, way, way more robust, like in your face. Um, you know, these are our flavors and yeah, that's the beauty of what an agua fresca is. That's awesome. And what would you say is like the, and maybe it's all the time. What is like the normal use case for your type of, of product? Like I always feel like a LaCroix, like I just probably, you know, I always feel like lunch and then in the afternoon I have a bunch. Is there like a, like a similar type of use case for that type of beverage? Yeah. So like traditionally, just like growing up, we have them in the house all the time. Um, so pretty much like just any time, whenever. Um, sorry, one second. No, you're good. You're good. Kayla has um, some little ones. So everyone give us just a quick second. Sorry, guys, working from home. Um, oh, good. I told everyone, well, I told everyone that you have little ones. So everyone listening, yeah. this is real yeah, life sorry. we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Well, use case scenario, especially if you have little ones, um, half the time is mixing it with alcohol. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's a good, that's a good use. Yeah. Yeah, so we get a lot of people using it as a mixer, uh, just like a healthy option. Um, and I think it kind of just depends on the flavor profile that you gravitate towards too, because uh, some of our lighter options, like the pineapple cucumber, people really love to use that like after a workout or when they just want something that is, you know, a little bit more robust than water, but still healthy and still light and refreshing. So yeah, so it's split a little 50-50 between like, that social setting and like that fun, uh, like, Oh, I want this with alcohol or everyone else around me is drinking. So I just want to carry something pretty and cool. Um, and then on the other side, like, Oh yeah, let's go to the beach or let's go on a hike. And like, this is a really great option. So, um, yeah, we kind of run the gamut, um, between those two, of uh, use case. Got it. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, so what would you say is, was the, like, I always love to ask this question around what was the inspiration? Like what, where did the the concept come from? You already kind of gave a little bit of a hint that you had this growing up, but obviously 
it's a big jump from having it like made at home when you're growing up to bringing a product to market. Would you, would, could you tell everyone just like, do you remember that like aha moment or the conversation or, or day when you realize you wanted to bring this product to actually bring it to market? Yeah, I do actually. There's, there's a couple of like pretty key inflection points to our origin story, but um, yeah, growing up, my grandpa would bring home like super ripe fruit from the field after work um, because he couldn't just stand to like let him go to waste right so they would come into our home and they'd get made into aguas frescas or they'd get you know cut up and put uh, tahine on them and so we grew up always having them and if there was a party and there was like always a party um, even more reason to have like a variety of aguas frescas and yeah some of them were spiked or some of them were for the kids it kind of just we had options Um, But growing up, I really wanted that, you know, feeling of like our culture and celebration, but not all of the added sugar. And my grandpa got a diabetes diagnosis when he was a little later on in life. So it changed the way that my family started thinking about sugar. And then um, as an adult, yeah, so still wanted that feeling. And then my boyfriend um, and his parents who are from Mexico um, too, they always had them in the home. So we still have them in our fridge all the time. And um, I had worked for Coca-Cola for a while um, doing market development and handling their California um, region. And after a few years of doing that, I wanted to work in a capacity that was, you know, a little bit more intimate where I could put things into play and see them um, iterated on quicker. So I started um, consulting for beverage startups and that is actually where I met uh, my co-founder, Aaron. I took a, a consulting job the very week that the global pandemic was announced, which is like the worst ah, time yikes. to ever onboard at a new job. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so it was had a, a scary month. time to go start doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't my first consulting job, but it was the one that I was like, oh, okay, this is really cool. And then, you know, okay, the pandemic, it wasn't really the pandemic at that point, you know, it was like, okay, there's a virus going around, you know, just stay clean, stay inside for a little while. Um, yeah. But then within a few months, you know, everything drastically changed and that company pretty much ceased to operate. And uh, me and my co-founder found a whole lot of time on our hands without having a job. And we went to the drawing board and we really weren't ready to give up on, you know, all of the things that we had built over the years, like coming from Coca-Cola and consulting. I had tons of data points, tons of relationships with uh, buyers and um, yeah, all all this experience and and the same thing with Aaron, but we took it as an opportunity to make something that was like really reflective of ourselves and would also index high with consumers. And so I have, I have the text messages of me texting her and being like, Hey, you know, so I've been thinking about Awas Frescas, like the whole drive. Like, what do you think about that? And I mean like, Oh, you know, that could really work. And then us sitting down and, you know, going through like, okay, well, what would we want it to look like? What would we want the characteristics to be? And just really both of us getting very excited about the idea of it. And then Awabonita was born and we actually just hit our uh, one year birthday this past week. Oh, congratulations. Nice. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Thank you. That's awesome. That's very cool. Was there like a, uh, a point there when you two were kind of going back and forth? I mean, did you, did you try to make your own? Did you like have a business plan first? Like what were some of like that very early stages of like how you guys went about 
just making, trying to make a decision whether this is worth pursuing or not? Yeah. I mean, we definitely sat down with a, a pad of paper and a pen first and foremost, and was just kind of like listing out the pros and cons and like things that we would want to avoid from like past experiences. So like our product is shelf stable because we knew that we did not want to deal with a cold supply chain. Um, and, you know, we have no added sugar because that's something that's, you know, really important to consumers, but also important to us. And um, we're in cans because it's eco-friendly, even though putting it in a plastic bottle would be much easier, but we're like personally against plastic. So, you know, we went through yeah. a lot of those different things to see like, okay, if does our ideal product have a chance at actually being created. And once we deduced like, okay, yes, it does. It was more like, okay, well, um, I have these recipes that we use in my home all the time. Like, can we tweak them and put them to the commercial scale test to make them into our actual product? And so, yeah, so it started like me and my boyfriend, like peeling fruit in the kitchen and making bench top samples and then going to, you know, a production facility nearby, asking them to like make iterations, then going to like a food scientist and asking them like, okay, what does this look like at a commercial scale? And then, um, yeah, like running a pilot, seeing if, if you can even pull it off without, you know, spoilage and stuff like that. So yeah, a few different steps to get to where we're at, but I think we've first and foremost just started like with the data. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And I know from previous podcasts, the beverage space can be expensive, especially like to get up and running. It was that something you guys dealt with as well. Just like, I mean, even just purchasing the, the raw materials with cans and getting your product into that, I know can be an enormous capitally intensive start. Yeah. I will tell anyone that's thinking about um, starting a beverage business, it costs money, a lot of money. Um, brace yourself because it does cost a lot of money. The minimum order quantities in this particular industry are very high just because of like the sheer amount of gallons that you need to produce to even have a chance of them filling up cans. Um, so when we started as a concept, we had one angel investor that was willing to take a chance on us. Um, so he gave us a very small um, investment, but it was enough to produce like a 10,000 unit pilot. And then we put in our personal savings. Um, you know, we, we didn't take a salary or anything like that. Everything that we sold just reinvested it. Uh, I went on a crazy pitch tour, like any opportunity to win free money. I was there um, telling our story and making sure that like we could get in front of judges and either win money or get a contract of some sort. So wow. we were able to get actually like hundreds of thousands of dollars in like grants and competitions and, and things like that. Um, all of that is to say the entirety of that basically went to production and just like basic business costs that you need to like be a real business, you know? Um, so it's very capital intensive. So that is actually why we just finished. Um, we just closed a round of funding, our first official round of funding um, because yeah, beverage is just a very capital intensive game to play, but um, it can be very, very worthwhile and very fulfilling. So don't let it scare you. Sure. But just yeah. Be yeah. Well, my, my like initial question there, because I think, I think this is such an interesting part of the beverage industry is, you know, for you guys to go get angel money and to do a minimum order run at that point, had you done much, um, 
like testing of the product, like a minimal viable product type of concept um, with people outside of like friends and family, like, or you guys just so bullish on it that you felt like, you know, getting a 10,000 unit run, then you could test from there and you thought it would work. Yeah, I think that was really more of our approach. Like Aguas Frescas are the most popular drink across Latin America. And in the US, the category has gone up in popularity almost 200% over the last decade, but it's been purely in like fountain drink format. Um, but you can look at places like Subway and Chipotle that have fountain drink aguas frescas. Coca-Cola has a uh, fountain drink agua fresca. Yeah. So we, you know, we knew that there is a market for it. And so we didn't feel like it was so outlandish, you know, and the concept in and of itself is very approachable. It's just fruit and water and like sometimes spices. So we were willing to take that bet. And I feel like we kind of started with product market fit from the jump. You know, we, we, yeah. we didn't have too much of a trial and error um, period in that sense. You know, the trial and error period was really like in the production capabilities. Um, and that's where it gets really capital intensive. But we knew like if we can just use this money to test production, there's going to be an audience for our product. Got it. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And then for you guys, where did you, where did you start? Like, did you start with a website? Did you guys have like, when you got the product, where did you try to start selling it first? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're millennials. We went on Instagram, made an Instagram, uh, put up a, a website through like Squarespace, uh, you know, just like basic bare bones things we went into this wanting to create something beautiful in every sense of the word, like beautiful in our mission, um, beautiful in the way that we give produce a new life, but, and beautiful in the way that we present our brand. So my co-founder Erin is just an absolute wizard and she's the one that actually did our branding for our cans. So I oh, mean, wow. if you have someone very artistically inclined, it can save you a lot of money instead of going to an agency. Um, but yeah, the goal with our cans was to make something that people wanted to take a photo of um, and make something that people wanted to hold in real life in their hands. And that paid off big time for us because we were able to just go straight to Instagram with just a Squarespace um, and Shopify page and start selling our product immediately. And, you know, we, we produced our pilot thinking, okay, it's going to take us months to get through this uh, allotment. It only took us weeks. And wow. then we, yeah, we reinvested it and like went back into production to make more units and we sold out even faster. Um, and then we reinvested it again and, you know, like won some competitions, went back in and made like an even bigger production. And before we even had that um, pro like product on the production line, it was already 95% sold through. So, and this was, yeah, just like grassroots, uh, us getting out there, getting on Instagram, um, talking to folks, pitch competitions, all, all that good stuff. Wow. And so you said you launched a year ago. So at this point, are you guys primarily on D2C still? Yeah. So now that um, we have some funding behind us, the goal is to use that to not only make sure that we never sell out again, but also to support um, retail expansion. So we've been about 90% direct to consumer, I'd say. Um, the other 10% was like boutique retailers and um, like 
yeah, like online wholesale to like spas and things like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so like we had some really great early partners like Coco Andre out in Dallas, Maxim Market down in San Diego, um, folks really in the Latino space that are like working to uplift the culture via their own products. Um, welcomed us with open arms. But now that we have some more funding, you know, we want to share that with even more people and retail is the way to do that. Um, unfortunately, direct to consumer for beverages um, can be capital intensive too, because, you know, it doesn't matter what volume you ship. Uh, a can is always going to weigh the same amount, you know, right, and right. Um, yeah. So like shipping doesn't ever really get that much cheaper uh the more that you send because it the weight never changes yeah yeah it was, shipping is like such a challenge with beverage it seems like mm -hmm. yeah got yeah. it mm -hmm. so for you guys then when you think about future distribution is it is it mainly retail you, you think would be the next logical move once you guys build capacity yeah, we're trying to um, invert the scales a little bit. We, we'll never shut down our direct-to-consumer pipeline. Like, we've had such early success there, and accessibility is a big part of our brand. We want people to be able to get it wherever you're at. We want to meet you there, you know? Um, so we will never shut that down. But to really be, like, a viable business and get the growth that we need, uh, retail has to be a bigger part of our approach than, than it is now. Got it. And what would you say, like to, sitting here today, what, what is like your dream retail location to lock down just in case they hear this? Yeah, uh, <laughs> Target, uh, I think, is a lot of people's dream retailer. Uh, Target would love to be able to just walk into my local store and, and grab us there. But we, we're fortunate. We have some really great uh, retail partners already that we're starting to work through things with. So we're a part of Kroger's uh, Zero Hunger, Zero Waste cohort. Um, so you might see us on some shelves of Kroger's soon. Um, yeah, I mean, Excited. You know, that's I can't, awesome. I, I can't, yeah, I get into all the details right now. But yeah, I, I would love to yeah. see us in like Trader Joe's. That would be so cool. Yeah, you guys um, seem like you'd be a great Trader Joe's brand. Yeah, I think yeah. I think we would too. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome no that's really cool and it's interesting you, you were just talking about the the kroger cohort and that's one thing we kind of skipped over is don't you guys use like what the, the fruit that goes into your beverages would you kind of explain to everyone that because i felt like when i was doing my research that was a really cool component of what you guys stand for and believe in that i i felt like differentiated what i've you know other brands i've seen in this space yeah so this really hails back to my grandpa, um, like I said, he would bring home like super ripe fruit from the fields and we would use it and make it into aguas frescas. And the, um, yeah, the space that I met Aaron in was, you know, in the upcycling space. So we both like connected over a passion for diminishing food waste and uh, like, you know, helping our planet just thrive. So Agua Bonita rescues produce, as much produce as we can, when and where we can, to make our blends. So that means that stuff that is just like cosmetically inferior for the grocery store, maybe it's like too big or too small or has a little mark on it, um, or is just produced in surplus because like 30% of food that's produced literally just goes straight to the landfill because they just made too much of it and a store can't take it. Right. Um, so right. all of that kind of fruit, we try to get our hands on as much as possible and use it in our blends. So yeah, it's called upcycling is, uh, is the term. 
That's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like uh, that's an unknown thing. I have another, I have friends in the industry uh, that do something similar and I, I never knew much about it until I, I met them. And it's like a, it's a big problem. Like there, we waste a ton of fruit that is totally fine to use. So that's really cool that you guys do that. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really labor of love to get a supply chain like that in order. Um, but very worthwhile. Sure. Oh yeah, I bet. Um, you had mentioned earlier about the, uh, you just finished uh, a round of funding. Would love to just know, I always like to ask on here, people's perspectives. Um, number one, before I even ask the question, I, I, I've, I'm a big believer and there's not one right way or wrong way to do that or, you know, have a perspective, but it's really the question around your perspective on trying to bootleg a business versus, versus raising capital. And also knowing that the space you're in, it, it seems like it's obviously very capital intensive. Before you even started Agua Bonita, now that you've kind of been a year through it and you just finished a round, do you have a different perspective or what is your overall perspective for people listening who you know, may want to start their own venture on, on raising capital or bootstrapping? Yeah, I mean, I would say we bootstrapped as much as we could um, and we pushed it to the extent that our wallets would allow. And that meant like foregoing um, our own salaries. Like we didn't take any money out of it. We put a lot of personal money into it. And, you know, like I said, we went and competed and tried to win as much money and free grants as possible. Um, that in and of itself is a full-time job, you know, just trying to find free money. Um, but I, if you can bootstrap for as long as you can, um, it'll give you really great insight and just like money management skills, I would say that you can carry on even as you get funding later. Um, but with beverage in particular, there will come a time if you are making something at the scale that we are and with the properties that we are, that you will have to take outside funding. Um, there's just like no way around it unless you're making stuff that it, that you can like, you know, brew overnight at your house or like in a small production facility. And then it goes out for consumption for in the next two or three days. And then like you start all over, you know, if, you, if that's your model, then you can make that work. But if you're going to like want to ship things and like find consumers in other places and really get onto retail shelves, like you're going to have to fundraise. Um, I would, my biggest advice there is like, find angels that um, support your vision and can be really great value adds to, um, to your project. Um, and, you know, if you are going to take VC money, well, first, I mean, <laughs> you're probably going to be too early for most VCs anyway. So, I mean, th those are good conversations to start having, but like, just keep in mind, like the chances of you getting VC money um, are on the lower side. But if you do have the opportunity to take uh, like institutional money, make sure that it is a really great st strategic partner that can help you grow um, because they're going to be around for a while and they're going to want input on like what you do and um, how you do it. And, you know, you need to make sure you like draw those lines in the sand on like where you're willing to bend or break. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, if, if, if I think about it from a finance lens, obviously I'm a finance guy. So I always think that way. It's like, as you're scaling a beverage business, it seems like you would always get to a point, you know, if you unlock the target or the trader, the next distribution point, 
the capital needed, even if you're running a profitable business on your current distribution, I, it just seems like it'd be so hard to like produce enough to fulfill the next level of growth with just the profits from what you're selling. Like it's just so expensive per can yeah. that it's almost, that, yeah. that, that, that's where my head goes. And I'm, I'm assuming that's probably somewhat how it works. Yeah. And so, so two comments on that. We, we crafted Owl Bonita with our margins in mind. Like we knew the range that we wanted to get in because we knew like, okay, at the distributor level, we're going to have to uh, account for this layer. And at the retail level, we're going to have to account for this percentage of, of, uh, of a spend and whatnot. So we went into it knowing kind of like, if our end goal is to be at this price on shelves, that means we cannot go past this price to make these cans. And I think that that's a very valuable practice for anyone going into just any CPG in general, but especially beverage, because um, that can be inhibitive to your growth at scale. Um, sorry, one second. No, that, that's great advice um, for everyone listening. I mean, that's a, uh... That's something like, I mean, I, I did our, like RGM at RX for a long time. So like that was something I always did. But early on, I rarely hear people talking that way, like thinking about it backwards from where you want to be on shelf. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I would say definitely back into it. And then when you do start to fundraise and you start to think about like the retail opportunities at hand, I don't know if everyone knows this, but if you don't know, like beverage, uh, a standard industry practice is uh, a free fill. Yeah. So basically you give a free case of your product, one case per flavor um, to new retailers that want to carry you for each store. Um, so that means that you need to be able to produce a lot of product that you have to give away for free if you want to get there. Which also like a free fill doesn't sound for everyone listening and, and doesn't know what a free fill is. A free fill doesn't uh, sound like an ex- a very expensive thing, um, but it can be. I mean, you think about how much a case can cost somebody. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's it's a ton of money. And especially if you're like, okay, I want to get into a thousand stores and I have four flavors. That means you need 4,000 cases oh to God. give away for free, right. um, which is a, a lot. And you have to ship them to them. And you have to make sure that you have the money for like the in-store marketing and the slotting fees. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Really back into these costs when you're kind of constructing and setting your constraints for like how you can make your product. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Um, There's a lot to think about, especially if you're, if you're going into retail, um, have you guys, I mean, I know you said you're, you know, 90% D to C have you guys thought about, and I'm sure, I'm sure the shipping part is tough, but have you guys thought about other e-commerce like Amazon's and the other, other.com is is what I call them normally uh, of the world. Yeah. So actually we just launched on Amazon. Um, but I, I would say even, especially for, uh, Amazon for beverages, it can still be a little bit tricky, but we just launched on Amazon. So that allows us to, yeah, get to more places um, quicker. And then, yeah, we utilize some like wholesale sites like fair. Um, yeah. And I mean, obviously our Shopify page is still there. So I, I would never shut down our direct to consumer online stuff. You know, it's a really great way to drive customer trial and get in front of people. Um, but you have to go into it knowing that like, 
this isn't going to be probably the biggest money maker unless you have like just a ton of money to spend on it. Like I know other brands, um, one brand in particular that does like a text to order service. I don't, I don't want to like name drop them or anything, yeah, but yeah. I know that they did a few years of just totally covering every shipping expense for everything. And that's how they were able to, you know, get to so many customers. But that means like you have to have that money in the bank to do that first, you sure. know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's slippery slope, um, but it's worthwhile and it, it lets you interact with customers in a, in a totally different way than like, than retail shelves does. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm very bullish on Amazon just because of, of my background. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those, it's the, it's the platform that you can test the most. You can test prices, you can test packs. Um, you can test a lot of things and learn a lot about your core consumer because of the scale and breadth of Amazon. And then you actually get data. So like you can, you can do a lot there. Um, no, that's exciting. Congratulations on launching on that. Um, so now you guys are year in, what is, you know, for you guys, what is the next one, three, five kind of look like for Agua Bonita? Uh, I mean, a lot of exciting things, I think. Um, the next year is really centered around growth. So a lot of retail things. Um, sorry. One oh, it's all good. It's all good. This is life happening here behind you. Sorry, guys. If anyone <laughs> works from home. <laughs> Kayla's got a, a full family here. So, oh, you're telling you're good. You're good. You're good. Give us just one second, folks. Sorry. This is All Riley. Good. No, we're back. We're back. Hi, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so for the next year, um, it looks like growth for us. So okay. getting a team in place. Okay, baby. Yeah, because it's just you two, right? So that's, I mean, you guys have done a lot already with just a small, a small team. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, it's okay. We, we have three people on the podcast today. This is cool. Yeah. I was going to say, Aaron and I both have little ones. And so unless you count them. Then, uh, <laughs> there you go. They're probably part of the team at this point. Yeah. I was going to say, they're really like not worth their weight in the <laughs> But yeah, so the next year is really just centered around growth. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot of growth. Um, are you guys, um, I know you have two flavors on your, I'm sorry. oh, you're fine. You're fine. I know you have two flavors on your D to C site. Are you guys planning on any expansion there? You guys just want to double down and focus on these first two flavors you have. Yeah. So we actually have a couple of new flavors coming out. Um, there's a mango habanero that will come out pretty soon Ooh, sounds good. and then a strawberry one. And then hopefully, um, over the winter, we're looking to, set out um a seasonal flavor so i'll hold on to that information but it's been something that people have been asking for a long time um yeah and we're right in the middle of onboarding he's just trying to give all my credit cards. i was gonna say you're, you're... <laughs> <laughs> for everyone who's um, not watching kayla's kids just trying to th just show all the credit cards on on here on the zoom this is funny yeah if you want the <laughs> Bonita account just tune in and you guys so if you want a nice new couch or something, I was gonna this say is this is yeah, good timing. He knows. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then just bringing people on to better facilitate those things. So operations yeah. and logistics is a big job because of the way that we source. So we need more people to help us with those kinds of things. Um, and then yeah, rolling out into retailers also requires like a more dedicated team to be able to go to those stores and do all those fun things. So. Yeah, that's really 
where we're at in the next like one to three years is just centered around like expanding our core lineup with different flavors, um, making sure that the retailers that we have relationships with are well-equipped and that way we can support them because it does take a lot of money to, to launch and not only to sell one can, but to keep people coming back to those stores to buy multiple cans afterwards. And then, yeah, and I mean, honestly, the big picture is that we kind of become, well, no, not kind of, we do become category captains. This is really like a new category that we're trying to carve out in the ready to drink space. So we are happy to see other people joining in and like making ethnic beverages and kind of um, adding to the set. Um, but we would love to be the like overarching Hispanic brand that iterates on better for you products because there's a lot of like storied brands like Humex, you know, is like the largest uh, like Latin American distributor of beverages and stuff like that. But they've been using the same approach for, for decades. And so we would sure. love to be able to, yeah, kind of get that global scale um, in the better for you space um, that we exist in. Love that. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I think there's a, I, I know I have, I have never tried a true beverage like this before. Like I said, a big on little Croix. I can see how this could be a whole new spin on like that, the whole ready to drink category. I mean, just the way I'm talking to you and, and hearing this, I could see how this could be a, a great addition to a lot of the things that people are enjoying and, you know, a, a nice change up from a sparkling drink that I think a lot of people are probably pretty, you know, cognizant of and, and use a lot. So I think that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, after this is thinking way ahead, but I do like to ask this, even though you're early on is, you know, you're in the weeds, you're building a business, but after Agua Bonita, what would you, what would you like everyone to remember you for? Um, I love to be remembered as someone who created something that was a beautiful reflection of their culture. Um, yeah. Very cool. That's a great answer. No, that's great. Um, I just have a couple last questions that I, I love to ask all founders because I think it, it's interesting like, thinking inside the way you guys work, um, especially since, as, as you can see, you have a lot going on. So it's cool yeah. to see how you, <laughs> how you build a business, right? Because I think everyone's in a different stage and there's never a right stage to start a business, I would assume. Um, and so everyone listening, you know, there's, there, everyone's in a different spot. So for you, knowing that you have business goals and I'm sure you have life and family goals. What are some of the tools that you use to track all of that? And then how, how do you plan your days? Like, what do you use to just get daily things done? Whether it's, you know, some people it's a pen and paper, some people it's apps. What do you as Kayla use to just get stuff done? And it's okay. <laughs> He seems to enjoy, yeah, he seems to enjoy sitting with you more. Yeah, I, I need to use a nanny, I think. But um, honestly, I just like live and die by my calendar, whether that's a written one or like a virtual one, sure. the calendar is everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. I do, uh, I started doing time blocking not too long ago. Uh, that really helps me just kind of see when I have time, fitting time in. Yeah, I need to get better at like that uh, work-life balance, you know, but working from home, everything kind of bleeds together, obviously, as you yeah. can see, like some days are like this where, you know, it's like, yeah, a little bit harder to manage, you know, the workflow and the needs of like the little ones and stuff like that. Um, 
And I think that it's just like a very unique time that we're living in. I hope lots of people can empathize and relate to that, that, you know, it's, it's a lot different being able to go to the office and have that separation and, you know, have all of this space that you exist in, in a professional capacity at an office and then come home and it'd be different. Um, but I mean, the lifestyle of an entrepreneur is that that line is very blurred and with the pandemic, even more so it's yeah. just like, yeah, sometimes it means taking a phone call and your kid having a meltdown in the back, <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally and, understand. Uh, yeah. Or like, you know, I was working on a really big proposal this morning and it's like, okay, but I have to stop to change a diaper and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so I think everyone kind of just has to find like what works best for them. So like for me, yeah, it's like double calendars, like write it down on a physical uh, like pad, but then also put it in, in your virtual calendar. And then, yeah, just trying to like lean into other people, you know, like delegation is kind of a, a really strong skill that you, you have to have if you want your company to work well is like figuring out like what is my personal bandwidth what can i actually accomplish and then who can accomplish this better than i can and uh like hand that over to them so um yeah i think those are just kind of some of the things that we're always navigating as we start to grow and yeah we're still we're still working on it no that's great that's awesome and i i, I agree writing things down can sometimes be the the differentiator that you need. Um, the next question is around like, you're, I always say source of knowledge, but I lead with book for the, for everyone listening. Do you have a, a book, a podcast, um, any source of knowledge that you would like to recommend to everyone listening? Yeah. Uh, a book that I really loved is capital gains by chip gains. Um, which is like, I don't know, some people, everyone thinks it's so random every time they say this, but, um, they chip and joanna Gaines have been able to build like such a crazy empire and they are very likable and authentic and reading that book actually detailed a lot of like the sort of failures that they had before they got to where they're at now and i think that that's important to hear sometimes as an entrepreneur is like sometimes things just don't work out um, but that doesn't mean that your like journey is over and he spoke a lot about the way that he like treats his workers, how he's always treated his workers. Like he went down to um, Mexico to learn Spanish because a lot of his workforce was primarily Spanish speaking. And I think like as um, someone that's building a business, it's important to realize those limitations and um, work on yourself to be a better leader and meet people where they're at. So I would, yeah, I would definitely highly recommend, uh, capital gains by chip gains and it's funny too so yeah i was gonna say no me and my wife uh we've watched they have a show i think on netflix right it's like i've watched yeah or they, they just uh, launched their own network i think it's called the magnolia network oh that's but it. yeah that's they're it. Like okay and everything so yeah no those, those they're great okay that's a great book i'll add that to the show notes that's awesome um the last question and the most important is how can the listeners um follow along with your journey and how can they get involved with agua bonita and try the product yeah well if you stuck with this conversation this long uh thank you and the way to stay in touch with us after this is follow us on instagram so um, at drink Agua Bonita is our business handle. You can find me at so fresca, so clean. 
uh, like a true nineties baby On brand. And, yeah. and um, our website, www.drinkawabonita.com. That's a G U a B O N I T A. Um, yeah. And follow along there. We're always uh, doing giveaways. We're always announcing like new cool flavors and, and things like that. Um, all on our Instagram. So we're really responsive and uh, we would love to chat with you guys there. Awesome. Well, very good. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on. I know you're at a hectic point in your uh, business and life and everything. And, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on. I think this was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, good luck. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye.